The scriptures tell us that part of sanctification is changing the way that we think. Romans chapter 12, after 11 chapters of the gospel, he says, And be not conformed to the spirit of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that perfect and good will of God. The way we help each other, no matter what our wrong thinking is, and because we're fallen creatures, still sinful, saved by God's grace, we still think incorrectly. So what happens when we're thinking that we are really a different gender than our biological sex tells us that we are? That needs to be countered with biblical thinking. Welcome to the Scripture and Plain Reason Podcast. An engaging podcast where we affirm the authority and the clarity of Scripture. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to start our program today because you willingly took the place of one of our good brothers, Mike Coleman, because his family was sick. He wasn't able to be our grill master for the picnic. And you heard the call, you answered the call, and I understand it went beautifully. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there. Could you just give us a little update on the annual church picnic at the Camp of the Old Mill? Another great year, another successful year at Camp of the Old Mill. Thank you to them for letting us use their services and their premises. Yeah, cooking was great. And just real quick, if Mike, if you're listening, appreciated the opportunity to jump on this this year. Hopefully you're back next year. I'm sure your burgers were good. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. And shout out to Rich Roberts who helped me the whole way. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It, just Rich and I getting to catch up and talk. And I love to grill. So I'm uh, somebody that's out on my grill in the dead part of winter and cooking up steaks and burgers and everything. So uh, I do enjoy it. And yeah, it sounded like the food was pretty good. Your pick- stepdad, who recently passed away, he was quite the grill master. He passed that along to me. Yeah. I remember him coming up and uh, staring over my grill as I'm grilling and (laughs) asking when the last time I cleaned it was because he would clean his like once a week. And I don't mean just clean like the top grates, like he would pick the grates up and clean it. Yeah, he was was a little intense. You got to do that. You do. I learned the hard way, but we were in South Carolina recently and my mother-in-law wanted me to go out to her Weber grill and make some chicken and I put the chicken on and... I look outside and there's a big steam and fires coming up. I go out yeah. and there's all kinds of grease at the bottom. Yep. And I just said gently, you got to clean this thing. Got to be careful. <laughs> Real quick, back to the picnic. I think everybody had fun. There was a lot of teens in the water this year. A lot more teens than I remember seeing. What just... did you call it? What? In the what? In the water. Okay. I thought you said wooder. <laughs> I think you did say wooder. Did I say That's wooder? how you say it here in Pennsylvania. It's oh, always no. wooder. It's... uh. I'm picking that up because I was in Washington this week and I asked for a water at the ball game and he was like, what? What did you want? <laughs> I think I might have said water. You must have said water. Uh, You're not originally from here. I'm not. But I'm that's a, how they say it. I know. And, it, and they don't even understand they say it when you ask them. Yeah. It's water. Yeah. Water. Water. I'm a New Jersey guy. So we said water. We didn't say water, but I think it's- You started uh, to be culturally influenced. It's rubbing off on me. Ugh. If you start saying Ewans, <laughs> that's where I draw the line. I, I don't think I'll say that. I don't think I'll say Ewans. Okay, good. But yeah, a lot of people in the water, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but they built a new pavilion with a basketball court I inside. saw that, and my sons were very disappointed they weren't there because they love playing basketball, but the basketball goals haven't been really nice, and I saw pictures of it. It is- Beautiful. But you didn't get to play any probably because you were grilling and serving others. Next year. 
next okay. year. I'll be all right. Yeah. You'll Definitely. be over on the basketball court <laughs> and Mike will be flipping burgers. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we're on episode two of gender ideology and uh, we're going to jump right in because we have a bunch of questions. We'll go a little rapid fire here on this episode and hopefully get through a lot of questions. Let's start with you, Brian. Just talk to us about in general, what is gender theory? Yeah. Can I do something first? Before we talk about what gender theory is, I wanted to give a few references that we want to encourage our listeners to perhaps buy and share with friends that they are wonderful resources that I've used and and you've looked at some of them yourself as we prepared for this series. The first one is by Abigail Schreier. She writes for the Wall Street Journal. I don't think she's a believer from anything I've read or heard from her, but the book that she wrote is phenomenal. It's called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And it was actually removed from Amazon temporarily mm. wow. uh, because of her position. They put it back on. Um, that's where I got my copy. Um, but one that was permanently removed from Amazon, is my understanding, is the next one. And it's entitled, When Harry Became Sally, Responding to the Transgender Moment by Ryan T. Anderson. Dr. Anderson is a believer. And this book is helpful because it breaks it down, again, the entire ideology, as well as dealing with, in compassion, the individual. We made that distinction last episode. Really helpful book. The other books I wanted to recommend that uh, our listeners potentially would pick up if they want to know more about this is a very small book by a British lady named Sharon James, and it's called Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know? If any of these books you were saying, I need something, a quick read, I can't read something really thick on this topic, this is the one you ought to get. Again, it's Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know by Sharon James. She's a believer as well. She's got an excellent chapter on what the scriptures teach us in regards to this whole topic, as well as just breaking down, again, the ideology. And the last one I want to recommend, and this one, this is a new author to me, but this book really hones in on the pastoral side of mm. dealing with the individual who's going through gender dysphoria. The compassion oozes from this book. It was really helpful. And so it's entitled Embodied Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. Preston, a uh, pastor? I think he is a pastor, okay. and he's written a book on homosexuality as well, a few books on on the topic of sexual revolution and how we deal with them. But again, the pastoral side of this is worth the book, mm -hmm. Embodied Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. So those are four references that our listeners, if they want to go deeper, and if they're wondering where we got some of the talking points that we're, we're dealing with, they were from these books. Great. I'm glad we started there. So I'll pivot back to you. What is gender theory, Brian? Well, gender theory is basically like what we discussed in two or three episodes ago. It is somewhat of cultural Marxism that has flowed into the sexual realm. And gender theory states that we have a gender identity which is independent of our biological sex. We may feel that we are male, female, neither, or something else. So gender theory essentially says that there is a distinction between your biological sex that you are born with and how you feel, what your real identity is. 
That's gender theory, that those two things are separate. They're not the same. Maybe I could give you four, basically, pillars of gender theory that break it out a little bit better, Ryan. One is binary is bad. So part of gender theory is to have just two choices, male or female, that's bad. So binary is bad. You need to be open to non-binary, fluid, unidentified, or transitioning. Um, so binary is bad according to gender theory. Secondly, gender is a spectrum. So we don't have just two categories. We have a variety of categories. Gender theory also states that boy, girl, or man, woman are just social constructs. So basically, gender theory has this one big proclamation. Let's smash this big word, heteronormativity. <laughs> so heterosexual male and female, let's do everything we can to slam and smash it. Smash the idea that marriage is made up of a man and woman. Smash the idea that a family is made up of a mom and dad and children. So the fourth thing, the fourth pillar of gender theory, is we all have gender identity, which may be different from our biological sex. So gender theory, again, is that there's this distinction uh, between your biological sex and your gender identity. Hey, why don't you help us with just a working definition of transgenderism? Um, it's become very popular. And in fact, people seem to be uh, celebrated when they come out as trans. But what is transgenderism, Ryan? Yeah, so let's start with the first part of the word trans, which in Latin means to cross over. So really, transgender is anyone who feels any dissatisfactions with their biological sex and effectively wants to cross over into another gender. So, Ryan, what about the intersect? But maybe before we, we talk about the intersect, it, it might be helpful for people to hear. When you, when you hear about that um, acrostic, LGBTQ, and now an I has been added, an A has been added, and a plus sign has been added, it's a little bit curious and interesting and sometimes almost um, comical that they keep adding letters. But just so everybody knows, um, we're talking about transgenderism. You just defined it. But this is actually a, presents a problem for gender theory. Because remember, gender theory says that binary is bad. Two choices are bad. Male and female saying that those are the only um, categories. That's bad. But think about it. L stands for lesbian which means a woman who is attracted to another woman. Gay means a man, a male, who's attracted to another male. B is for binary, attracted to either of the two categories. Bisexual, right? Yes. Yeah. And then when you get to transgender, and now you're trying to say that we need to remove the binary, you've got a real problem. They've started to realize that they're acrostic is causing them some problems because when the T comes up and says, let's stop having male and female, well, all of your letters so far scream two categories, lesbian, gay, binary, and then you have transgender. Now, LGBTQ, queer is kind of a fluid, but then there's the I that's been added, and that is for intersex. And so I wanted to ask you, what exactly does it mean for someone to be intersex? Maybe I should say this too. The A after that is for allies. So now they've added the A, which means anybody who affirms and supports, shows pride 
for LGBTQI. They're part of the the allies. And then plus is basically a catch-all category that means anything we ever want to add to this. Again, we just put a plus there. So back to intersex. What does intersex mean? Yeah, and before I go there, I, I just want to validate your point about how different perspectives there are between the LGB and the rest of the acronym. Because I just read an article the other day that talked about a, a large group of lesbian, gay, and bisexuals that are very much so against the transgender movement because of that very point. And they're coming out and they're saying that. And they're interesting. Very loud about it, which is interesting. interesting. Because you basically undercut their position, and we don't agree with their position. We believe that living that lifestyle is in, in opposition to God's plan for our lives. But it is an interesting moment where they've kind of painted themselves in the corner when transgender is kind of like the tip of the iceberg of the sexual revolution, but now it's in conflict with your first three letters to your acrostic. So very true. All right, so intersex people, and this represents a very, very small uh, proportion of the overall population. What's interesting about intersex people is they actually do have an XX or XY set of chromosomes. What's different about intersex people is they can have reproductive organs of both the male and the female or no reproductive organs at all. Interestingly enough, it sounds like the intersex people who no fault of their own, no choice of their own, yeah. have been somewhat co-opted and exactly. hijacked and placed into this movement that they had no say about. Again, I don't want to act like I'm speaking for intersex people, but those people literally had an assignment given because it was so ambiguous mm -hmm. as for the reasons you stated. But they've been hijacked and placed into this movement without any real say of their own. And just a reminder, I, know, I don't want to assume that everybody knows this, but XX, XY, uh, which one is the male, which one is the female? So we've got XX would go female, XY would be male. That's right. And that is determined actually at conception. Exactly. All right. Well, let's jump into gender dysphoria, Brian. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what does that term mean? And then how has that impacted the overall cultural shift with transgenderism? Yeah. So when a person is going to transition, be a trans man, a biological female that is transitioning into becoming a male or a trans woman who is a biological man transitioning into being a trans man. I think I said that right. So we've got a trans man, trans woman. Mm -hmm. um, before that happens, there's generally what's referred to now as gender dysphoria. Now you hear the word euphoria. Euphoria means to be happy. Dysphoria means to be unhappy, unsatisfied. So when you say somebody has gender dysphoria, they have a attitude or a mental problem with their biological sex, what they were assigned with, we just said, at conception, mm -hmm. um, at fertilization, that they are a biological sex that internally they disagree with. So that's brought them stress. That has brought them unhappiness. So when we say somebody has gender dysphoria, they are unhappy with their biological sex. Um, with that in mind, think of it this way. I think it's helpful for us to recognize that historically, gender dysphoria was viewed as a mental illness. 
You may have heard, and our listeners have probably heard, of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It is updated every five or ten years. Before the latest edition, I think it was number five of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder called the DSM Manual, prior to the last one that was updated, I think in 2013, it's been a while, gender dysphoria was not called gender dysphoria. It was actually called gender identity disorder. It was recognized by psychologists, by um, psychiatrists as a legitimate mental disorder that the way you're thinking, this dissatisfaction, this unhappiness with your biological sex is a mental problem. It's something that needs to be addressed in counseling and in therapy. That was going to be your diagnosis and the treatment was going to be to try to get your mind to line back up with your body. So by removing the disorder part and transitioning over to gender dysphoria, it's no longer a sickness in your brain. Exactly. So with the DSM-5 that came out in 2013, it's now called gender dysphoria. So historically, again, it was it was a mental issue that needed to be addressed through therapy and counseling and changing your thinking to line up with your body. Now we're going to change your body to line up with your mind. It's a, not a small change. It's a huge change, and it's reflective of now our thinking culturally about this disorder, um, but it's now referred to as gender dysphoria. It's still diagnosable, still diagnosable condition, but the treatment now is left open to now pointing through affirmative care, more of a change in the body um, rather than the mind. Now, let's just back up a second, though, and ask the question, is there a possibility of somebody actually changing their sex? Or is that something that is determined? Now, we you just mentioned intersex, these people that um, have the unfortunate situation of they're born and there's not a clear distinction about whether they're a very small percentage of infants, whether they're male or female, or they're both, and one of them has to be assigned. What you're told, you're hearing language now, the vocabulary is, whatever your gender assignment was, as though there's some midwife going around after babies are born putting a post-it note saying male or female. Mm -hmm. That's just not how it works. Um, So the way it works is we believe, as Bible believers, that God and his great providence and wisdom um, allows those chromosomes, either XX for the female or XY for the male, to determine at fertilization, at conception, that you are going to be a male or female. I mean, one way to know this is it flows through almost every cell of your body, has this DNA fingerprint that determines or or identifies you as either male or female. I mean, whenever you watch CSI or you watch one of these other investigative shows and they're dealing with DNA to try to determine who committed the crime, who done it, DNA is going to reveal often if this was a male or a female, just simply through the XX or XY chromosome. Now, that's important for us to realize that this was not assigned at birth, not a midwife going around with post-it notes. What's happening is the Creator God determined whether you were going to be male or female. Now, again, we have this asterisk of intersex, and, and that is, I believe, a result of the fall like all diseases, like all kinds of twisted challenges that we have with our ourselves mentally or physically, all of this is a result of sin. But God designed man and woman. He designed male and female. And so what happens, those chromosomes lead to 
our bodies producing in the cell and in the makeup of um, this amazing creative through procreation, we have reproductive systems that reflect those chromosomes, Mm -hmm. XX for the female and XY for the male. That leads to genitalia and it leads to our identification as a either male or female. Why do we say that? Is because this gender dysphoria is something that's real, but it generally is happening with people who are um, struggling with their identity. And we are certainly not saying, Ryan, that this is made up. There is a legitimate group of people that are confused. They're struggling internally. They really have desires to be the opposite gender, the opposite sex than they are biologically. But what we're leading to is how should we deal with this gender dysphoria? And before we go there, I want to remind us that what we have in gender dysphoria is this confusion. Now, historically, again, this is fascinating to me. The demographic that generally struggled with gender dysphoria was young men. Oftentimes, they would be pre-adolescents, and as well as middle-aged men that would struggle with um, wanting to be somebody different or a different gender than their biological sex. But lately, and that's where Abigail Schreier's book on irreversible damage comes from about what's happening to our daughters, this has become huge and popular with teenage girls. And what has been now given a different title, it's not just gender dysphoria, that would happen with a small set of people, I think it's 0.06% of the population, legitimately experiences this confusion and this sadness about their gender, their biological sex, compared to what they want to be. But what's this new term is rapid onset gender dysphoria. Now, rapid onset is exactly what it sounds like. And what they're saying is this mostly is happening because of suggestive media intake and digesting of people's testimonies, people's stories. So you have an adolescent, for instance, that's struggling with anorexia or struggling with some other mental illness. Maybe they're struggling with depression. And they hear about somebody who all their life, they had this biological sex assignment, but that's not really who they are. They're a a man trapped in a woman's body. And so they hear this story and now they think, well, maybe everything will be solved if I do the same thing. And so what we're told in the public school settings now is if someone comes to you, if a young person comes to you and says, I believe I'm, I'm a different gender than I am biological sex, they are told to give affirmative care and to push forward this. And what's happening oftentimes is this rapid onset gender dysphoria is a result of hearing suggestive through media, through other uh, teenagers who are saying through YouTube or through other media outlets, um, sometimes even through testimonials because people are celebrated. So if you're struggling with depression, struggling with friendships, struggling with relationships, and you notice another person who is also struggling with relationships comes out as transgender and all of a sudden they're the most popular person ever, and you notice the radical change in their social life It's suggestive Mm -hmm. that maybe that's my problem too. And I'm not saying these people are insincere. They certainly have these feelings, but their feelings are more suggestive. They're rapid onset rather than something that they are already struggling with. And their access to other people that 
either are experiencing something very similar or have transitioned and are sharing that their life has changed so dramatically that access to that is so prevalent now with all of the different social media outlets. Exactly. And, and, and gone are the days where we can not know what's going on at our schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there was a, a, a moment where if you choose to have your children in the public school system, and this is true even of private schools, we have to know what our children are being taught. What are they being exposed to? Because if there is the possibility, which is very real right now, that our children could receive complete affirmative care and we may be bypassed as parents, not to be able to counter wrong thinking. It's a very dangerous situation, and I like Abigail's title. It's irreversible damage. So we have just a couple minutes left, Brian. I, I know you talked a lot about affirmative care, and that's how it's being addressed in the, the school systems today. What is the proper way of treating gender dysphoria? It's completely counter. So we started this whole topic with generally what would have happened even a couple decades ago is this would have been assigned as a mental challenge, sickness, illness that needs to be addressed. You're thinking incorrectly, Um, but now it's being addressed as affirmative care. So we are not going to question. We're not going to counter. Maybe I could use just a, a different illustration. If if someone came to one of us struggling with anorexia. And imagine that this girl's five foot six, about 95 pounds. They approach their therapist and they say, I know that I'm fat and I'd like for you to call me fatty. Now, what would we think about a therapist, a counselor, a pastor, a Christian who said to them, you know what? I want to affirm how you're feeling. And if you feel fat, then you are fat and I'm going to support you and affirm you. And I'm going to call you that. Okay, fatty. Now, that's just horrible. It's horrible to even hear. It's mm-hmm. horrible to even say. Yeah. Or if someone came to us and said, you know what? I'm African-American, and I don't like my skin color. I want my skin color to be different, and I want you to start treating me that way. I want you to affirm that. What would we think about a therapist or a counselor or a pastor or a friend who doesn't say, oh, no, you're beautiful the way you are. God has created you the way you are. Now, gender is so much more, and biological sex is so much more of a distinction than skin color. But again, I'm using it as an illustration to say that would be malpractice. What do we do with wrong thinking? Well, the scriptures tell us that part of sanctification is changing the way that we think. Romans chapter 12, after 11 chapters of the gospel, he says, And be not conformed to the spirit of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that perfect and good will of God. The way we help each other, no matter what our wrong thinking is. And because we're fallen creatures, still sinful, saved by God's grace, we still think incorrectly. So what happens when we're thinking that we are really a different gender than our biological sex tells us that we are? That needs to be countered with biblical thinking. It's the same thing that's going to be true with sexual orientation. If I have same-sex attraction and God tells me that that is an unnatural desire, what do I do with that? It's not to say it doesn't exist, but it's certainly not to affirm it. It is to counter it with godly, biblical, scriptural thinking. And the more we meditate on God's Word and we act on it, we find that feelings do change. 
Feelings do have a way of being the caboose and following along faith that is placed on the facts of God's word. Now, is that immediate? No. And does it mean that you'll never struggle with those desires again? Absolutely not. But rather than affirming and saying, okay, we're just going to take you as what you say you are, and we're going to help you now change socially, change through hormones, and change ultimately perhaps surgically. No, we're going to say we're going to change the way you think. Because that's what Christians do when they're becoming more like Jesus Christ. They put off the old thinking. They renew their minds through the scriptures. They put on their new thinking. Yeah, just like an unbeliever that needs to change the way they're thinking and realize that Jesus did die on the cross for their sins. Mm. And that's the most compassionate thing you can actually do. Mm -hmm. Now, do you counter and say that their feelings aren't real? Absolutely not. These are real feelings, Mm -hmm. but they need to be countered with the scriptures. This is different than the current strategy. Not only is there affirmative care, but what's happening now is there's this fictitious theory that's being created. Gender theory creates make-believe, and it takes children, the most vulnerable, and it transes them to turn them against their own bodies, number one. So this leads to mutilation of their bodies because they were thinking incorrectly, and the culture, rather than countering that, affirms it but it actually turns them against their parents. I mean, you and I have both been by the bedside of sick children. We would stay up all night in a heartbeat because we love our children and we're going to be there beside them when they're going through their darkest moment. And to live now in a world where we're being sidestepped and instead of helping our children understand that physically things can go wrong and we're going to be there to help you get better, But mentally, things can go wrong, and we're going to help you get better. We're not going to let you give in to something that could be destructive to you. Mm -hmm. And so there could not be a greater contrast between a biblical worldview approach to wrong, incorrect, dangerous, devastating thinking like transgenderism and a biblical worldview that says, no, we are born sinners, and that means from time to time we're going to think incorrectly. But we need to counter that with the, the very perfect Word of God. Wow, this has been a really difficult topic, like you said from the onset last episode, but hopefully helpful to our listeners. Well, we have a couple of episodes left in the series, and then we'll kick off a new series. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Join us next time for more scripture and plain reason. God's word is true, and God's word is clear.